So great to see all of you here with us this morning. We are uh, taking a, a short break from our journey through Acts uh, that we've been on for a few weeks. Uh, and we're, what we're doing is we're actually we're joining churches all across America o- over the next couple, three weeks or so. In fact, I, I looked up today how many are, are a part of this campaign, if you will, of what's called National Back to Church and um, there's over 30,000 churches that are a part. So we're joining with literally 30,000 churches plus in America as we are um, participating in, in this series called Back to Church. And, um, and I know these days we are in church in different ways, from in person to online. I uh, want to welcome you, those who are watching online today, and want to welcome all of you here with us this morning who are gathered with us in person, and we're, on this, we're, gonna, we're gonna be on this one theme for the next few weeks, and that is on hope. I don't think we can talk too much about hope. We can't hear too much about hope. Um, hope, uh, man, does so much, and uh, we're gonna look into that uh, starting today. I'm gonna invite you to open up your Bibles. It'll also be on the screen, these verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, and uh, this theme is called Hope is Here. And in fact, next Sunday is the actual National Back to Church Sunday where we are encouraged to invite people to church who aren't in church, who may have not been to church in a long time. Um, And people looking uh, are always in this world where people are looking for some hope. And um, and we're going to look at that and how our hope is found in nothing less than in Jesus and, uh, and the hope he offers and the hope he is to, to the world. And the, you know, the thing about the church, we were singing that song at the beginning about build your church, God. And the thing about church is the church is about people. It's not really about a building. I'm, th- I'm so thankful that the church, God, it, when he sees us and he created this um, movement called the church, that he created us and it created it with, with the idea of people, his people, built in his image. And um, it's about people, individuals, collectively coming together, joining their lives together uh, in, in faith in Jesus and to help support and encourage and give hope to one another as we're all taking this life journey together, that we're not alone. And it's, it's awesome when we, when we come together like this, we're reminded uh, of what hope can look like and what hope can feel like, what hope can sound like. And, I, and that's what I love about our church is... Um, us coming together. Um, the congregation itself is 43 years old this month. Uh, New Life Church is just six years old. Uh, we're still a little infants, uh, not infants, but young. Um, and, and so I, that gives me hope that there are still greater things that God wants to do with this church. As awesome as, as he is and the, in ways we hear in different weeks on how God is using our church and working through our church to touch not only lives in this community, but literally around the world, I'm just reminded, that man, God, God thinks so much bigger than us. And he, he, has, he has ways about him that, that get beyond one person. And I'm so glad this church is, is truly built on Jesus and built on the foundation, the chief cornerstone, as we were admonished earlier, Christ Jesus. And so, um, and when we come together like this, it reminds us that, man, um, that hope exists and that we can feel empowered together with the hope of God because 
God is no respecter of persons. And if he can give one person hope, he can give another person hope. And that's something that's great about the church coming together to worship together corporately like this, is we get to hear the voices of our brothers and our sisters singing. We get to hear the claps of praise. We, we get to hear the heartbeat of prayer, and, and we get to hear the inspiration of praise that comes out of our mouths. And we hear that going on at different times in our service. Man, it gives us hope. It gives me hope that, man, when I know what so-and-so has been through, through, and yet they're still trucking, yet they're still stepping, and yet they're still going. It gives me hope, man, that I cannot lose heart on my journey with the Lord on this earth. And hearing stories this morning of some folks telling me some good news that have come their way after year, uh, over a year and a half of praying and, 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 and just believing God for some answers that, man, that hope is on the horizon and there's good signs coming over the horizon into their life. And man, that, just think if we would have just just given up. Just think if, if you would have just stopped believing. And man, that's what hope does. Hope's a fuel. Hope's a fire. Hope is a flame. And so we're going to look into that today. Uh, we're going to look specifically at hope for the weary. Hope for the weary. Because if we're honest, there are times when we get weary. There are times when we get just flat worn out. And what happens when we live weary and when we live worn out, it can cause us to lose Hope. It can cause us to lose hope. So we're going to look at hope for the weary today. Look at these couple of verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's known as the the love chapter, if you will, but there's these final two verses that kind of put it all into perspective, kind of bring it down uh, to to where we are right now and how how hope is is a, is is a is a uh, is an element of of the kingdom of God. And it's Jesus and that he as our hope, how he in our life can carry us forward, can help. He moves our life forward. And so I want to just focus on these two verses that will expand this, uh, the rest of this series as we talk today about hope for the weary. Paul writes this. He says, right now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then one day we will see everything with perfect clarity. Right now in our life, we see things imperfectly. We see things unclear, somewhat muddied. Our, our view is skewed. Things kind of uh, look like um, a, a mystery at times and puzzling. In fact, the Greek word they're used for puzzling reflections is the word in our English language uh, that, we, that we get called enigma, which means puzzling and mysterious. And so Paul is saying right now in our life, and maybe in some seasons and even in some situations, we don't see things clearly. We're limited. We're limited, and we see them muddied, and, and they're puzzling, and you ever, you ever thought to yourself that or maybe said to yourself, like, man, what is going on with them? Right? Like, what, what's going, what is going through their brain? What, what are they thinking right now? Or in a situation that's not even right, right next to us but far away from us, we see it and we're like, man, that just does not make any sense. That just does not make any sense. It's an enigma. It's puzzling. And that's how it is right now with life. And, and Paul wrote this a long time ago, and, it, and, and certainly that applies today, that 
if right now, our right now is puzzling, but he goes on and he says, but one day, one day we will see things perfectly as we are face to face with God. And then he goes on and says a little bit, he elaborates. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to elaborate on this. And he says, all that I know right now is partial and incomplete. But then one day, I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. In our right now life, things are impartial and incomplete. There are things in our life and things in this world that, that, that are impartial. They're not together. They're, they're, they're incomplete. They haven't reached a stage of, of perfection or maturation or completion. But he says, but one day, I will understand everything. One day, we will understand it all as God completely understands me. And so it gives us this, he's already kind of given the precursor to what God and who God is and how God, what God uses to give us the fuel, if you will, the empowerment, if you will, to move forward and not to be a lost cause and not to be living in a weary state of mind and a worn out soul. And he goes on in verse 13 and he says, until that day. So the question lingers kind of in the middle. So right now, things are imperfect. Right now, things are puzzling. Right now, we don't see things clearly. Right now, we don't understand why certain things are the way they are, why things happen the way they happen, why people act cray-cray sometimes. We don't understand it all right now, but one day, it will all come together. One day, when we all get to heaven, one day, when we all see Jesus, one day, things will all come together and make sense. Because we will see him face to face in perfection. And so what do we do between the right now and the one day? What do we do with our right now until that one day? He gives us the answer there in verse 13. He says, until then, until that one day, these three things are here in our right now world, in our right now place of life to help carry us forward. Faith, hope, love, the greatest is love. Faith, my belief in, assurance of, dependence upon, and trust in God. Hope, my joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation in and through Jesus Christ. Love remains my true affection for God and for other people that grows out of God's love for me and in me. These three things remain and help carry us forward between the right now and the one day. The right now, we're here, we feel, we, 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 we endure, we encounter things, things that are good and things that are bad, things that are awesome and things that are not that great. And we have all of these valleys and we have these mountains and it, it's just a life cycle of that, ups and downs of life. But these three things help to carry us forward. And specifically, we're going to zero in on hope. The word hope appears over 130 times in the Bible. So God has a lot to say about hope. 
He offers hope for us in a lot of different situations, a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different seasons of life, and a lot of different areas of life. And primarily, we're going to look at three areas today where Jesus offers us hope. Hope in our hardships. Hope in our hang-ups and habits. And hope in our heavy burdens. We all have hardships. We all have habits and hang-ups. And we all have some heavy burdens. But through those, in those, Jesus offers hope to us. Let's look at these today. Matthew chapter 11. The last few verses of Matthew chapter 11. There is hope in our hardships. You know, this is, the, the, the reality is life is hard. Life is hard. The struggle is real. And when we are weary and worn out because of our hardships, it can cause us to lose hope. But we're not called to live. In Jesus, we, we're not called to live in the weariness and the worn out state of, of, of mind because Jesus is our hope. And But if we live there, we can cause us to lose hope. And it causes us to question and wonder, man, can things change in my life? Can things get any better for me? Will my situations evolve into something better for me? When will it be my time to experience some goodness? When will it be my time to experience the next thing that I see everybody else getting to enjoy? Can my life change? Can my life improve? Can things get better for me? And Jesus answers this question. Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Here in this text, Jesus is talking to some people who were losing their hope due to their hardships. Their leader was John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of Christ, pointing people, setting it up, for people to one day follow him. But John the Baptist was put in prison. Their people, his leaders, his disciples were kind of like, man, what is going on? We hear about this Jesus person doing some of the same things John did. He's, he's healing people. He's teaching. He's doing all these things. And John sent his disciples. He said, look, you guys need to go find out if this is the real deal. They were wondering, man, can we trust Jesus? Can we count on him? Can we depend on him? Can we look to him? And he answers them in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their hardships. And he's like, yes, you can count on me. He says, just come to me, all of you who are weary. All of you who are weary, come to me. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 4 tells us that Jesus is, uh, he can sympathize with all of our weaknesses Because he was tested and tempted in all the different ways we are, yet he did not sin. And because he overcame, it says we can come boldly to his throne of grace and we can receive mercy in our time of need. We can come boldly 
to the throne of grace because Jesus knows how we feel. The Bible sets up this, which sets Jesus up as 100% God and 100% man. 100% God. I don't know how it, it, it works out completely this way, but I do know the Bible is pretty clear in how it points in this direction that as 100% God, he can lift our life. And as 100% man, he can feel our life. And right there in Hebrews, the writer tells us that Jesus can sympathize with us. He can feel what we feel. And so he's telling these followers, come to me. You're looking. You're looking for hope. You're weary. You're worn out because of your hardship. I am your hope. Come to me, he says. Come to me. You see the thing, in the beginning, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and disobeyed, the Lord said they found themselves naked and ashamed, and they hid behind a tree. When Jesus came and overcame sin, he was hanging naked on a tree, unashamed. He took our place. He felt what we feel. He felt it. He felt what you and I go through. And he knows what it's like to deal with hardships. And so what he's telling us here, you're weary? Listen, don't let weariness overtake you. Don't let weariness overwhelm you. You need to look somewhere. You need to go somewhere. And that somewhere is is me. He says, come to me. Don't try to escape into other parts of life, into other parts of the world, and other parts of yourself to try to find strength and to try to find rest and to try to find hope. It all comes in and through me. Come to me, he says. But it's not enough to just come to him in our hardships. He goes on, elaborates. He says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, join your life with mine. Join your life with mine. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke is not so much about a labor picture, a hard working picture, as much as it is as a picture of union with him, to join your life with him, to walk in step with him, to walk hand in hand with him. You see, when you're, when you're tied to the yoke of, of Jesus, you're bound and tied in a comforting way that lets you know he leads, but as he leads, you also follow. As he steps, you also step. As he moves, you also move. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Join your life with mine and be in step with me. Walk at my pace. Walk at my pace. And then he goes on and he says, but it's not just enough for there. He says, listen, let me teach you my ways. Let me teach you my ways. Learn my ways. Learn how I deal with life and hardships. A couple of chapters prior to this in Matthew 8, Jesus has found himself in a predicament. He had found himself tired. He had found himself worn out. Jesus found himself weary. He had all these people calling on him. It said large crowds would follow him. People would reach out, man, and touch him, wanting something from him. You ever feel like that sometimes? Everybody wants everything from you. 
<laughs> and it's like sometimes you get to a place, man, of the snapping point, of the breaking point, and you've like had enough, and you just can't take it anymore. People were reaching out, man. People were like, these uh, folks were saying, look, all you got to do is just say the word for my, for my fellow person to be healed. Just say it. If you'll just say it, I believe it'll happen. He even got to Peter's house. He thought, man, I'm going to go to Peter's house. I'm going to have a good meal. We're going to chill. I'm going to kick my feet up. And who's sick at Peter's house? Peter's mother-in-law with a fever. He's like, well, I guess I'll heal you too. Because then, then what happens? He heals her. She gets up and um, makes a meal for them. Got up and prepared a meal for him. He's like, if I'm going to eat, you're going to have to be well. <laughs> He's like, well, the chef is down. The kitchen is open, but there's nobody in there, so be healed. I'm hungry. (laughs) Actually, I'm hangry. (laughs) And he was at this place, and he was like, man, I got to get, I had to get away. So after that, he even heals other people and delivers people from demonic spirits. And he's like, golly, what am I going to do? He's like, I know what I'm going to do. Hey, fellas, disciples, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side of the lake. And uh, so they all got in a boat, and they got in, and he went to sleep. He just needed a nap. He was tired. Or tarred. He was tarred. He was really worn out. He was weary. He's like, we're going to go to the other side, but while we're going, I'm going to take me a nap. Well, what happens this raging storm develops on the, on the lake. So much so, the water and the waves, man, are crashing into the boat, coming in and over the sides of the boat. The disciples are starting to freak out, and they're like, oh my goodness, we're going to die. And they're like, let's wake Jesus up, man. Come on, Peter, wake him up. You're the loudmouth, go on, wake him up. Matthew's like, calculating everything, and wondering, can we get there? John's like, I just kind of want to go snuggle up to him too, but Peter, you're the man. Go wake him up. Jab him, poke him, do something. They wake him up, and Jesus is kind of irritated. He's like, man, don't you have faith? Don't you care that we're going to drown is what they kind of thought? Don't you care that we're going to die? And he's like, we're not dying. I'm just trying to get a sleep on, man. I'm just trying to get my nap on right now. As he looks around, he's like, be still. Storms. What do they do? It quiets. It calms. That freaks them even more. They're like, who is this man who can tell the storms to do this? He says, follow me. Come to me. Take my yoke on you, but also learn my ways. He said, "How how I deal with hardships... Either two ways. One, I can, ta- I can calm the storms. Or two, I can keep you calm in the storm. Either way is good. Because he already precursed this and said, we're going to the other side of the lake. He already gave the instruction, the command, and the direction. Life ain't over yet. Life's not done yet. This weary situation, it's not going to take you out. I'm either going to calm the hardship or I'm going to calm you in the midst 
of the hardship so that you can keep going. Either way, we're going to the other side. Either way, we still got purpose over there. Either way, we still have destiny to do. I'm tired right now, and I'm going ch- to chill and nap for the rest of the journey. Y'all don't wake me up, by the way, because we're going to the other side. And when we get there, just wake me up and say, hey, we made it, and we'll be ready to go. He can either calm the hardship, or he can calm you in the hardship. But the only way that works is, hey, come to him. Join your life with his. And then learn how he deals and handles hardships. Jesus is our hope for our hardships. Number two, there's hope in our habits and our hang-ups. There's hope for our ha- in the midst of our habits and, and in our hang-ups. Hebrews chapter 12. You know, when we're weary and we're worn out because of our repeating habits... And our hang-ups, it can kind of make us lose hope because it causes us to question, man, is there any hope for me to change? Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody ever get disgusted with yourself? You know, I cannot believe I have done that again. I cannot believe I said that again. I cannot believe that I overreacted again. I thought by now, I'd be over that. I thought by now, surely I wouldn't look in the mirror and see that same old person again. We have repeating habits, and we all have some hang-ups, but in the midst of that, Jesus is our hope. He's our life changer. He's our life transformer. And if we'll go to Him and we'll walk in unison with Him and we'll learn His ways, His ways will overtake our ways. His thoughts will overtake our thoughts. This part of Scripture, Hebrews 12, out of the Passion, it says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out before us. God has a personal destiny for each one of our lives. And He has appointed unto us to run that race. And we are called to give ourselves to the race and the path that He has created for our life. And in, in order to do that, the writer reminds us we have to let go of some things. We have to let go of our habits and our hang-ups. It doesn't mean we're going to live perfectly right now, but we need to make a decision in our heart, a commitment in our faith to God, that we're willing to live always wanting to just let go of every wound and let go of every sin that we easily fall into. The, the, the description there about the wound that has pierced us 
is that gives this impression, arrow tips on the inside of us. He's saying every wound that has pierced you, every arrow that has hit you, and you have refused to take out the arrow tip. And all these arrows that have been flying at you and have hit you over the years, they've created these wounds and you've not removed the arrow tip. The arrow tips over time, coupled together, create this weight, create this heaviness on you that slows you down, that keeps you from really truly running the marathon race, what's it say, with passion and determination. Because the more arrow tips we hold on the inside of us, the heavier our hearts will become. And the less passion and the less determination we will have to run the race, our purpose, our destiny that God has for us. Pretty soon the arrow tips will be bigger than our God. And they'll cause us to lose hope. And the writer says you need to let go of these wounds that have pierced you. I don't know what wounds you need to let go of today, but if you truly want to run the race with freedom, you need to be willing to let them go and give them to God and let God be the healer of your heart. And then he says, but you also need to let go of the sin, the things that cause you to miss your mark with God so easily, things you constantly find yourself falling into. What do we keep going back to that keeps slowing us down and keeps holding us back? Believe me, whatever it is, nothing is more precious than the destiny that God has for us to live and to run for. And I know the carnal side of ourself, the fleshly side of ourself, the old nature side of ourself likes to hold on to some things. But the saved side of ourself, the new nature side of ourself, the Holy Spirit-filled side of ourself wants to let go of stuff because the spirit side of ourself is the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living on the inside of you, beckons us and calls us and compels us. Let go, forsake, don't hold on to whatever wound and whatever thing you keep holding on to and running back to. Let it go and keep your eyes on Jesus, which is what he tells us next. He says, let go so that you can run this marathon race. That word in the Greek gives us our English word agony. Run your marathon agony. Sounds encouraging. Here's the thing, because life, the race of life, is not that easy. It's full of agony. It's full of obstacles. It's a marathon journey, a marathon race. And life, the race of life is not easy, but man, it becomes certainly impossible to run with freedom if we're holding on to wounds and sins that Jesus gave his life for, to save you, to forgive you, and to free you from. He wants you free. In fact, he sees you free. That's the next part of this. It says to look to Jesus. It says we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. And he entered and he endured the agony 
of the cross. He endured the agony, the marathon race of the cross, and he conquered its humiliation, and now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our hope for our habits and our hang-ups. Think about whatever it is. Think about whatever unhealthy habit you have in your life right now that you know is sucking the life out of you. That you know, continuing in this way, in this path, you know it's not good for you. Think about your hang-ups. Think about the parts of your life that constantly are tripping you. That you keep going back to uh, like a uh, safety blanket. But you know it never, it never truly satisfies. It never truly fulfills. And Jesus is saying, look to me. Look to me. And we look to him and we see his example. He endured the agony of the cross, his marathon race. And he pursues you. And when he pursues you, he sees you not in your faults, not in your failures, not with your fractures, not in your weaknesses, but he sees you as you will be as he is leading and living in your life. See, Jesus went to the cross. He, he endured the agony of the cross. And he went there with joy, knowing that he would see us. And he looks to us. And he pursues us. And as he looks to us and he pursues our life, you see, he, God's been trying to get our attention from the very moment we were born. And he, and he does that. And he constantly will do that until it's over. But he does it and he doesn't look at us in our state of trouble, in our state of, of shortcomings, and all the different terminologies we want to give to it, in our habits and in our hang-ups. He sees them. He knows what, what you're dealing with. He knows what the struggle's like. He knows. But he also knows, hey, I overcame it. And with me in your life, you too can overcome it. I overcame it. I was betrayed, but you, when you're rejected, I'm going to give you the strength to forgive and the strength to move on whatever it might be. And then verse 12 and 13 ends like this. So as we look to him, as we're willing to let go of our habits and our hangups, and we look to Jesus and we accept him and we want to walk in his ways, it says this, so be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. That's what we did today. And strengthen your weak knees for as you keep moving and walking forward on God's paths, as you keep walking forward on God's paths, not your path, not what you want, not what you think you need, but as you keep walking forward on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. Our life gets healed. We find freedom as we decide we're going to walk on God's paths. And here's the reality of that. He knows from time to time we're going to come up short. He knows we're going to fall down. But the Bible teaches us that though a righteous person falls seven times, they will always get back up. Because as Jesus is our guide, as Jesus is our leader, as Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, He helps us in our weakness. He helps us. So if you've got habits day by day, as you walk on God's paths, 
The old habits will be replaced with holy habits. As you walk on God's paths, the reoccurring hang-ups in your life will get torn down and they will become stepping stones for you. You'll step over them. You'll step on top of them. Instead of them being on top of you, crushing you, weighing you down, making you feel like a failure, you will step on top of those old habits and hang-ups. And you will walk in the victory that Jesus has for your life. Lastly, amen. Come on, thank God for that. And I love this, this last point we're going to make here as we are coming into the runway today. There's hope, not only in our hardships, hope in our habits and our hangups, but there is hope in our heavy burdens. There's hope in our heavy burdens. The thing is, heavy burdens, golly, they can make us weary and so worn out from carrying things, holding things, keeping things to the point of losing hope. Galatians 6, verse 2 says, Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's just straight from Galatians. (laughs) I didn't say it. I'm just the messenger. And happen to also look in the mirror of the word and be like, dang. God, you ain't tripping. You for real. <laughs> Don't think you're too important. Not that we can't help every single person in our life, but we are called to be willing. We are called to be willing. Paul writes here about the importance of living in community. And if you missed last week's message in Acts, that one of our elders brought, James brought a message out of Acts 9 through 11 about finding purpose in community. I encourage you to go back to our website, nlcj.org, listen right on our homepage, or go to our YouTube channel. Man, powerful word. We, we've, Paul writes here about the importance of living in community with one another. And that we, when we see someone in our community of faith who is weary, who is worn out from the different heavy burdens of life, we're called to come alongside and offer help. There's a story in in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 17 where Moses the Deliverer sends out Joshua, the leader of his army, into battle against the Amalekites. And he says, Joshua, take our people out and go fight. I'm going to go up here on this mountain and I'm going to lift up my staff with my arms. And so that's what he did. Moses went up, Joshua went out to fight. Moses went up the mountain and he lifted his the staff of God up in his, with his arms. And the Bible describes it as long as Moses' arms were lifted up, Joshua and the Israelite army were winning the battle. But it said soon Moses' arms became t- tired from the heaviness of holding them up. And it said the Israelite army, then things started to shift. They started to lose. Well, two people, Aaron and Hur, came up next to Moses. They made him a little seat on the rock 
And Mo- Haran got on one side of Moses, and Aaron got on the other, uh, her got on one side, and Aaron got on the other side, and they both lifted up, each of them lifted an arm of Moses with the staff in his hand. They were sharing his burden. They knew the value, the importance of being able to keep this burden lifted. And so the tide changed and Moses' arms were lifted with the staff and the Israelite army not only began to win, but then they conquered and they defeated the Amalekites. They won that battle. That story teaches us so much how we are called to come alongside of each other and hold each other's arms up. And how we're here to help share the burdens of each other. And it brings some questions. One, who are you letting hold your arms up? Because some of us are just too darn stubborn and prideful. We don't like to ask for help. And some of us don't have any trouble asking for everything. People is people, right? Who is helping to hold up your arms right now? And then the third question is, whose arms are you willing to help hold up? Because you can't just be one who gets your arms held up all the time. Sooner or later, you're going to have to go out and fight. Sooner or later, you're going to have to go do something too. You're going to be called to also hold the arms. So the arms up is victory and overcoming and winning. The arms down, man, that's defeat, being overwhelmed and losing. And I think if we, had a, we have a choice, which side do we want to be on? We want to be on the winning side. But it takes our arms being lifted. It takes our our burdens being shared together as the body of Christ. Community is the soil in which we are planted where we all have a chance to have our arms held up, our burdens shared with one another. And here's the thing about burdens. They all come in different shapes and sizes. Some burdens are self-inflicted, meaning we we did them ourselves. But in the midst of those types of burdens, we're called to offer hope by giving grace offering forgiveness, but also being willing to help navigate that person to a better way of life. That's what Jesus does for us. And then some burdens just happen to us. Aren't our fault? Things just go bad. Things go sideways. Stuff doesn't turn out the way we thought it was going to or the way we hoped it would. And in those moments, we offer hope by just sometimes being a listening ear. Sometimes people don't need advice. They just need an ear. We got to learn the difference sometimes because some people don't need an ear full. They need an ear to listen to. Sometimes we can help by just offering to bring a meal. Or in these days and times, DoorDash somebody something. And sometimes we can just offer to, hey, let me just pay for that. Let me just, let me just take care of that. Here, take this. Nobody has to know. Just take it. There was a time in our, in our life where, where we were praying for groceries, where we didn't have the money to get groceries. 
And we were like, well, I don't, we don't know what we're going to do. This is a heavy burden. And someone rings our doorbell and hands us a check for $500 for groceries. They just say, I just felt like we we're supposed to give this to you. Hope I'm right. <laughs> yeah, you was right. Because <laughs> we was past hungry. And here's the thing about sharing burdens, verse 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let us not get tired of doing what is good, because at the right time, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. We cannot grow weary in sharing each other's burdens. As Aaron and her carried Moses' burden, we are called to carry each other's. And we can't grow weary in this because here's what happens. As we do this, as we share each other's burdens, what we're doing is we are showing the world, ultimately, Jesus carries all of our burdens. When the world sees the church shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, helping to help, the world sees, man, something big is happening in that place. Something great is happening with those people. They see, the world sees that Jesus carries all our burdens. There's hope for the weary. We all are susceptible to getting weary and worn out from the different hardships we face and from the different cycles of habits we have, hang-ups we have, and with heavy burdens that we all carry. But come on, we got to remember today that Jesus is greater than all these things. Jesus is bigger than all these things. And in Jesus, he offers us all the hope we could have because from between the right now state of life until that one day place of glory, we're called to run our race. We're called to live our destiny. And the devil would like nothing more than our hardships to get the best of us. He would like nothing more than for us to just give up into our habits and our, and our weaknesses and our fractures. He would like nothing more than to just throw in the towel with all the different heavy burdens you and I have to, have to carry at times. But Jesus knew better. Jesus saw better, and he is better. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He says the enemy is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come to give life and life abundantly. And we need to go to him and give our life to him and surrender to him and learn to link our life in union with him and learn of his ways and share each other's burdens. Pay attention to one another. Pray for one another. Go and check in on one another and be willing to be there for one another. If you're able to stand, let's stand. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to pray this one verse out of Romans 15 that Paul writes as a prayer. It's verse 13. 
And today, if you're a person here today that from hardships to habits to burdens, you just needed to be reminded, reassured, you need a shot of adrenaline hope to flood your soul. I just want you to be open to receive this prayer today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. It's not a long prayer. This is how the prayer goes. Just receive. Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let that rest on you today. You need hope? You've got to call on Jesus. You've got to go to Him. And you have to yield your life to Him. And learn His ways. Walk at His pace. He knows when you need to go fast. When you need to go slow. He knows when you need to turn left. Or when you need to turn right. Or when you just need to stop. And He knows that reoccurring habit and hang-up in your life. He has the power to break it off of you. Go to Him. Surrender to Him. Be open to Him. Don't turn back from Him, but yield to Him. And may He fill you completely with joy and peace and overflow you with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the residue of heaven settle on you now, upon your heart and upon your mind. And may you see the manifestation of the God of all hope flourish in your life this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.